Hello, PodFam, and hello, Rachel. Hi, Laura. How are you doing this evening? I'm good. How are you? I am good. I had the most productive day of my entire life today, so I'm actually feeling pretty good. (laughs) Oh, wow. That's so exciting for you. Yeah. I was just one of those days where it was quiet enough that I could just cross things off my list and just get them out there. And I was like, wow, I'm a professional. I love those days. Well, I'm feeling pretty relaxed now because I had to write an exam earlier today. Um, mm-hmm. professional development exam. <laughs> I don't have the final mark, but I found out that I passed. So that is all that matters. That's literally the only thing that matters when you're not in school. So <laughs> exactly. Well, I am very proud of you personally. You've been studying pretty hard for it lately and, you know, moving up the ladder one step at a time. One step at a time. So I think we can both agree, you know, we've hit some pretty heavy topics over the past couple of weeks. Yeah. And we did something that was kind of chill. So Mm -hmm. we're testing this type of episode out for our listeners. Let us know on Instagram if you like it or hate it. But Mm -hmm. we needed something that was just going to be like easy to roll with, (laughs) you know, especially like Rachel, you've been super busy with work. I've been busy with work at this course. So we're just going to, you know, chill. I think we just all need a good laugh. Yeah. You know, there hasn't been as much laughter in the last couple of episodes. So I think we need to bring that back a bit. And don't worry, there's still going to be the occasional little hot take in this one, but you just might not know when they're coming. Exactly. So we're going to put the hot button issues aside for tonight. What is your, your chill beverage this evening? I am actually having a chai tea this evening. Oh, that sounds good. You know, chai teas are one of my favorites. Oh, it's so good. And I know that there's a little bit of caffeine in it, but I don't know. I just, I needed something different and I feel like I just needed to accept the caffeine in order to broaden my horizons because the other option was peppermint tea. And I was like, I just, I can't, I can't do it again. (laughs) You got to mix it up a little bit. So is this like a black tea based chai tea? I believe so. It's like the straight chai, like no added flavor to it. So I'm pretty sure it's just the black tea base. Okay, yeah, likely if it's just like a chai tea. Yeah, honestly, it's like one of those like Tetley ones. Okay, so yeah, it's it's probably a black tea based. So I've also got, uh, it's not really a chai tea. It's actually more of a medicinal herbal tea. It's called Quest to Digest. And okay, it's got like a little spice to it, little licorice root, a little bit of peppermint, just a nice blend of like all those things that are very soothing to your system because mm-hmm. – even though like I'm a pretty good test taker, but internally I know I'm probably like, you know, spiking some stress hormones. So I thought, you know what, I'm just going to have a nice relaxing gut tea for this evening just to kind of rebalance myself. Calm yourself down and then exactly. you can have a good sleep. Oh, I'm so excited. So excited. <laughs> I don't have to stay up late studying. Not anymore. Not until you decide to do the next one. Yeah, I know. Give it like a month and I'll be like back on the next one. Yeah, you'll be like, so guys, I've decided that I'm going to take a uh, degree while I work full time. Thank you. Just another chill Thursday night. Yeah. So would you like to announce what we're talking about today? Yes. And I've been trying to think of like, okay, how do we even describe what we're going to be talking about? Pretty much we're going to be sharing our most favorite binges and Mm -hmm. that is of movies, TV shows, and books. And then we're also going to be sharing our least favorite. And it doesn't mean that we like hated them because there are some where like we love to hate them. Yep. um, Or we love them in the past and now we hate them or we hated them in the past and now we love them. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of gray. It's a little blurry (laughs) on the lines there. But (laughs) just to maybe share some shows or entertainment with our listeners that we really enjoy and hope that you enjoy or you've never even heard of it. And mm-hmm. then let us know on the gram if if you like it. Yes. And particularly when we get to the books, we've got some thoughts about a couple of things that we've read. So there'll be some drama in there as well. <laughs> Likely. But Likely. Should we kick it off with movies? I think so. Do you want to tell me what your favorite is? Uh, okay. I struggled with this. You know, like when someone asks you, what's your favorite movie? Obviously, I'm going to say Mamma Mia and oh. Mamma Mia too. But I did not pick that for tonight. <laughs> I didn't pick it for tonight. I went Actually, with like 
No. Did you? No, I didn't. Okay, good. I actually, like, actually didn't even consider it. And now that you brought it up, I'm like, damn, I should have done that one. I know because I didn't want to talk about like my most favorite things tonight. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but another really favorite movie that has made me feel things is The Big Short. That movie does make me feel some things. Yes. Some good and some real bad. Yes. And I've always kind of loved this movie. I remember the first time I watched it though, like, okay, I think I've mentioned it on the podcast a few times. Like I grew up in a real estate family. So I remember 2007 and 2008 very well. And Mm -hmm. just watching the movie, it was almost like reliving some of that experience. So it was like, okay, some of it was like a bit terrifying and stressful. But yeah, yeah, I just really loved that movie for kind of showing the inside and explaining what was happening and putting things into terms that were Mm -hmm. for like everyday people to understand. And I think that really inspired me from like my finance background, like it spurred it on to Mm -hmm. want to be a person who makes that language simple. Mm -hmm. And then as we can all increase our financial literacy and understand we can all do better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. you've seen that movie, obviously. I have. I actually had to do a uh, little mini project on it in university. Oh, did so you? It was like the question of, can you describe how it all went down? And I could describe most of it, but there were definitely some things where I'm still to this day, like, I don't understand how this happened. Just going off of like our episode that we literally did two weeks ago about life as a millennial, it does mm-hmm. kind of freak me out considering what's going on with housing now. And yeah, I'm scared. Yeah, <laughs> and it's it's actually so fascinating because um, – so I think The Big Short does a pretty good job explaining what happened and especially mm-hmm. in times that we are in right now, okay, it's, it's 2021, um, housing market's out of control. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of parallels to what happened, but it's actually very different. Mm-hmm. The underlying effects that, you know, if and when the housing market's going to crash, mm-hmm. it won't be for those same reasons mm-hmm. as it did in 2008. Yeah, well, that that's definitely true. And we're not going to get into like the difference of what happened then and what's happening now because that's what we YouTube would be is here for, for an Just, hour. <laughs> yeah, if anyone wants to know like the differences between 2008 and what's been happening in 2020 and 2021 with the housing market, YouTube's a great resource for that because they'll do actual comparisons of the different economic crises that we've had for the past like, you know, 100, 150 years. Mm-hmm. So, I recommend that as a resource. Mm-hmm. But yeah, even though The Big Short is not one of my favorite movies, I just really love the style of it and what you can learn. Mm -hmm. I think it has a very, it kind of came out around a similar time, but a very Wolf of Wall Street vibe with how it was shot. Yes, it does. Yeah. And I don't know if that's just because Margot Robbie shows up in it for like five minutes, but it definitely reminds me of that movie. Yes. And I always kind of had those movies almost hand in hand. Mm-hmm. A little bit because they did come out around the same time and it just kind of like shows almost two different ex- extremes yeah. of why there's so much distrust in the financial industry mm-hmm. and, you know, it relates very well, wow, actually to what I was just doing as a professional course in the finance industry is especially in Canada, they are trying to instill this methodology of trust and confidence Mm-hmm. into investors because of what's happened in our collective memory, it has steered away a lot of people from wanting mm-hmm. to invest and be a part of the economy. Mm-hmm. So it's very much like we need both parties enable for our country to grow mm-hmm. and function. Mm-hmm. So the financial industry has to be very careful that they don't lose that trust of the people. What a great point. Unfortunately, it seems like some people don't seem to be getting that though. No, no. There's always going to like, – like anything, there's always going to be like stupid people. There's always going to be crooks, you know, people who are trying to cheat and take advantage of the system. Mm-hmm. But overall, like it's kind of exposing the wrongdoings and trying to make it better. Whether mm-hmm. that actually happens, you know, they, they try, but you kind of get what you get. Yeah. So watch The Big Short if you haven't yeah. already. 
I definitely had to watch it like two or three times to understand some of the technical stuff because they did oh, a really sure. great they did a really great job of explaining it, but there's definitely some parts of it where upon first watch you're like, What? Mm-hmm. So Yeah, yeah. Like it definitely is a movie that you want to watch a couple of times just to get the full appreciation of what they're trying to teach you. So yeah, awesome movie. But yeah, if people want to know my favorite movie, it's Mamma Mia and Mamma Mia 2. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes Mamma Mia 2 will – it's like it depends on the day, but I do gear towards Mamma Mia 2 being my favorite. Yes, I find it a little bit yeah. more relatable in whatever sense that movie can be relatable. Yeah. See, I think it's just because of the fact that when Mamma Mia came out, it was like all about Meryl Streep as Donna and that was like around the age group that our mothers were at at the time. So yeah. it's like a very well-loved movie around – like that generation of people where when this one came out, like we were turning, like we were like leaving school in our mid 20s kind of thing. So we were like, we can relate. Not really, but we can say that we do. <laughs> yes. So shall I get into mine? Yes. What is your favorite pick? All right. So my favorite pick of the day was actually Greta Gerwig's adaptation of Little Women. Mm, yes. <sighs> Now, I haven't actually seen this one yet. I really wanted to, but I just haven't had a chance. Oh, my God. You just absolutely have to. There's just something so timeless about that story. And I remember I was like reading the book around the same time and it just hits you, especially seeing how true to the story she really was. So, you know, the author of the book released it in 1868. So it was very interesting whether it was in the book or in this movie or in any of the other, other adaptations that came before, the thoughts of women and the motivations and the passions, my heart is the same as, you know, Joe in that yeah. book. Like what she was going through, I can relate to. And like that's just such an interesting thing because I find with a lot of media that is based off of books that were written like a long time ago, I have a difficult time relating to the characters, like you can definitely tell that it's a product of its time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like it's a true period piece. Well, either a true period piece or it was something that was written in that period and you can tell where with this, it's like you could just drop Joe and Amy into 2021 and you would relate to the struggles that they were going through. And I just find that a very interesting thing. And I also think too that there's not a lot of good movies out there that explores the love between sisters. There's a lot of media out there exploring, you know, mistrust or dislike between sisters or women against women. Com and competition. Yeah, the competition. And I think it was just such a – it's just such a pure piece of media, no matter which version of it you're watching or reading, that it's just always going to have such a special place in my heart. I got to get on this movie. You do. You do. Did, did you ever see any – I think there was one with like Winona Ryder like a long time ago. Oh, so long ago, but like I, I don't recall too much from that movie. So I definitely want to go see the remake of it. Yeah. So love that movie. Go see it if you haven't already. It was Academy Award nominated and I'm pretty sure won something. So I'm pretty sure most of you have seen it, but I do love to talk about it. So I'm very passionate about Little Women, Laura. <laughs> <laughs> It's good. It's a it's an all all time classic. It really is, and it deserves that title. So why don't you jump into your bad movie? Uh, so mine. I don't know. This could be like a bit of a hot take for some people, but I feel Ooh. like for our listeners, they probably are on the same page as me here. And mm -hmm. that movie is Grease. Oh, I don't like the movie Grease. Oh, oh my god, that is a hot take. Yeah, do you like it? Um, I have an appreciation for the music, but I wouldn't say that I like love it. Yeah, like I'm someone who loves musicals like Across the Universe, Mamma Mia, like I've said many times, mm -hmm. um, like everything. I usually love musicals and I really wanted to love Grease because it seems like one of those like cultural icons. Mm -hmm. But every time I watch it, I find it just like a bit disturbing Okay. And it just portrays such a bad message to I women and girls. I do agree girls, with that. Right? I do agree like, with that. Like the whole basis of the movie 
is that you should change everything about yourself so a guy likes you. Yeah. Right? Like like Sandy is a good girl. You know, she's sweet and kind of preppy. And of course, she falls for the bad boy. Mm-hmm. And how does she keep the bad boy? She changes everything about herself and like becomes a bad girl. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm sure there's going to be someone who's like, no, it's a great movie. And like they don't do that at all. But in my personal opinion, like that is just what I see mm-hmm. when I watch it. Yeah, like one, those are not teenagers in any way. No, no, everyone is like 30 years old. (laughs) Rizzo in no way looks like a teenager. No, like she could pass for like 30, 35. Yeah, I I definitely agree. Like the relationship between Danny and Sandy does not translate well. And it's just kind of a bit disturbing because even like he kind of maybe changes himself towards the end. But then once she changes herself fully he's like "Mm, no I'll just go back to myself there was no compromise there yeah and then even when you listen to the lyrics of the songs and like don't get me wrong they're fun songs you know um absolute bops yeah but like the tell me more song it's like tell me more tell me more did she put up a fight like it's kind of rapey yeah you know like I don't know there's just there's just a lot of things happening in that movie and I don't know I just Mm-hmm. You know, it's what? no dirty dancing, in oh, my opinion, no. which I love. I love that movie. Um, and there's some questionable things in Dirty Dancing, but not oh, as much. <laughs> absolutely. Like they're they're very comparable, like with the exception of a musical. Mm-hmm. But it's like Dirty Dancing tried to address things a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think like the one thing that they kind of addressed okay was like Rizzo thinking she was pregnant as a teenager and just the judgment that came in that situation. But even then, it was still like, uh, it wouldn't translate well if they tried to remake that today. No. So that is my hot take on Grease. I've never really been a fan of it. Mm -hmm. I'm actually like really shook that you said that. Really? (laughs) Yeah. I was, I don't know. Because I know that you have like a big appreciation for like, especially older movies and older musicals. I know. That it's like, it's just, yeah, it's just one that I was like, I didn't, like, we've never spoken about it before. So I don't know why I would have that in my brain that you like loved it, but I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like so many people are like, oh, like that's a a musical classic. So if you like musicals, like obviously you like Grease. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I've, I've I've watched it a couple of times and it just, yeah, just never hit me like, like some other musicals did. It's a product of its time. Let's just say that. Exactly. Yeah. I really struggled though to find a like a movie I didn't like. But yeah. then when I was like scrolling through Netflix, like looking at past watched movies and that one came up, I was just like, oh, bingo. You're like, I don't like this movie. Yeah. Well, mine, I have a similar reason why I hate this one, but it's actually a recent release by Netflix and it's called Aftermath. Oh, Aftermath. I have never heard of that movie. Don't watch it. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> I won't. So it was just like something that we were just scrolling through Netflix one night and sometimes we like to put on like a thriller or something just because it's fun. And, you know, it's a cheap thriller. Like it gets you going. You're like, oh, that was kind of scary. That was a scary jump scare. It doesn't really make a lot of sense of how it's happening, but it is happening. But my main problem with it, you know how when movies release, they say, based on true events or inspired by true events. Right. Right? This movie, they said, was based on true events, but the main story that they were trying to tell and the story that they said it was based off of were completely unrelated. Oh. (laughs) So it felt like two different movies going on. And it's just, I looked up what happened After So basically what the story quote unquote was based on was a couple who moved into a house and in the real story, basically, I think it was somebody had lost out on the bid. Basically, they bought the house. She wanted the house, didn't get it. So she was mad. So Mm -hmm. she started like domestically like terrorizing them. So it was like sending inappropriate stuff to their house, like and kind of like, you know, releasing their information out publicly or putting onto Facebook that they were like bad people, part of bad groups. And where I have a problem with it is that at one point they had posted something onto Craigslist that basically she 
trigger warning and I she had like a sexual assault fantasy. So pretty much it feels like they just included that into the movie so that they could have that scene, oh, which I had a big yeah, problem like with. The, like the sex sells trope. Yeah. Yeah. So I just had – because the the whole point of the story was just that they moved into a house where two people had gotten murdered before because the woman who lived there before her like lover lived in the walls and he mm. took an obsession with the woman who moved into the house. So pair that – with the fact that there's a whole other storyline of somebody like terrorizing them. Where does that m- mix? <laughs> Is my yeah. thought. Yeah, that and doesn't I just, sound like a movie I'd watch. First of all, I don't like scary movies or thrillers. Yeah. I'm too suspicious mm-hmm. after. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think just for respect for that family who it's based off of, if you're going to tell the story, tell the story and just their story. You know, yeah, don't, don't mix it in a bunch of others. And I just, I'm just going to like abbreviate it because I don't want to trigger any of our listeners because I know it can be upsetting, but I have a difficult time with any form of like TV show or movie putting like SA into the episode or into the movie just to put it there as like a shock value thing. Mm -hmm. Like unless it has a well-defined purpose, which in my opinion, it never does. I just don't think it should be there. Yeah, like if it's something based on a true story and that is part of the story, then sure, maybe it's in there. Yes. But it it seems like some writers and producers, they almost like glorify it. Yeah. In a way. And again, if you're telling the story and that's part of the story, actually tell the story. Don't just put it in there and say that, oh, we were just interested in it, but we wanted to weave it in with this completely unrelated, fantastical thing. Yeah. So – that's just my take of the evening, and I'm sure there are many people out there who would agree. So let's hop right. off of that. <laughs> All right. Let's 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 hop off movies and into TV shows. Now, my TV show, it's a guilty pleasure, not going to mm-hmm. lie, and it's One Tree Hill. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, di- I didn't know you were going to say that, but now that you did, I'm like, 100% you were going to say that. <laughs> what did you think I was going to say? I don't – literally, I don't know, but I I know that that's like your favorite show, but it did not even cross my mind that you were going to be like, One Tree Hill, Chad Michael Murray, yeah, let's go. Oh, Chad Michael Murray. <laughs> you know what? He's only getting better with age. He looks pretty fine. I don't even know he how looks, he looks anymore. He looks great. He does. Like in that TikTok he did where he was basically uh, saying something about um, the Cinderella story where he's mm-hmm. just like – if a girl who you see every day comes oh my God, in yeah. with a mask, a tiny mask, and you don't recognize her, you need help. <laughs> and I was just like, wow, you just look fantastic. You look better than you did 15 years ago. Uh, yes. Well, he played one of my teenage crushes, Lucas Scott, mm-hmm. on, on the show. And if you've never heard of One Tree Hill, it was out in the early 2000s and ran until 2012. It was um, a good time. Uh, that was like the height of like teen drama shows. Like One Tree Hill and the OC at the same time. Uh, so, so good. good. <laughs> so good. I think Gossip Girl was also on at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, we just had so much teen drama coming of age. We were so spoiled. That was so not realistic, yet you loved it. No. The show itself is about like two half-brothers and they're trying to not merge their lives, but they've kept, been kept very separate. But uh, their love for basketball in their small North Carolina town brings them together. And it's just one of those shows. Like, yes, there's kind of tropey teen romance. It's so not realistic. Mm-hmm. But what I love in that show is that they really do focus on friendships Mm-hmm. and building those friendships and then they also address a lot of issues that are either like hot button topics mm-hmm. or things that like you know real teenagers face and yeah like it wasn't so much like the OC where they had like or Gossip Girl where they had like obscene amounts of money mm-hmm. there were things in that show that like you know you knew someone who was going through the same thing that a character was going through mm-hmm. So out of all the teen dramas of that time period, I found it to be like the most relatable. The and most realistic gonna, somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and of course it was not realistic at all, especially some things that were happening in that show, but that's like any show of that era I find. 
mm-hmm. um tv shows nowadays are trying to be a lot more realistic to like today's teens also diversity was not a strong suit oh God. but it was no. like 2005 so no no they had a long way to go but this one is just one that i have definitely watched all the seasons many many times it's also one of the shows like it probably should have ended i think after season four or five mm-hmm. and it would have been so complete and so good but the network wanted to keep it going yeah. So it did stay on for an additional three or four seasons. I can't remember oh, off the top of my head. Yeah, it stayed on for like longer than it should have, but mm-hmm. still at the end end of the show, it mm-hmm. wrapped up in a way where like you were pretty happy. Yeah. Although the original ending that they had hoped for would have been like the greatest ending of TV show all time. I just need to watch that show. You've been trying with me for so I've long. Been trying and it's for like so long. <laughs> We're gonna we're just gonna watch it together. I know. I think I just need somebody to watch it with and like have like a binging day because I don't think it's like a you just watch an episode here and there kind of oh, no, show. You binge, it. you binge it. Yeah. So I think I just need like the experience. Like, you know, when we watch the hundred, we need something right. like that. And yeah. then I'll okay. be into it. Well, it's a date then. We'll watch we'll watch One Tree Hill. And if anyone else yeah. wants to like virtually join us watching One Tree Hill, let me know. Please let us know. Um, Also, for any of our Gen Z listeners, um, there's going to be a lot of flip phones, but you know, embrace it. Oh my God. That was the best. You always knew what year it was based on the phone that (laughs) the characters had. And it's not the same now. Now I'm like, they all look the same. I know. I'm like, they all look like iPhone. I don't even know what number we're on. (laughs) Where like, I remember when I had my first Motorola Razor. Oh, those were the shit. Oh, yeah, that was my very first phone. And when all the characters had that too, I was like, oh my God, I'm a cool person. Mm-hmm. Anyway, what is your favorite show? <laughs> so mine's embarrassing, but it's Outer Banks right now. Oh uh, God. Okay. I love I have that like, show. On- <laughs> and on Netflix, like the little preview has been at the top of my Netflix for like months now. Yeah. I just, I just can't hit okay. play. It looks just okay. ridiculous. That's what I thought too. I did not want to watch it for so long. And we honestly started watching it as a joke. And there are things in it that are absolutely ridiculous. Like literally whenever this man who is a 30-year-old trying to pretend to be like 16 runs around, he has his shirt, four buttons open, just flap it in the wind as he runs. Like that is not realistic. (laughs) But it gives you a good laugh. And it's it's funny because I feel like there's an odd sense of self-awareness where the people who are pretending to be 16 are finding it funny at the same time. So there'll be moments where they're like, sir, I can't do that. I'm a 16-year-old boy. But you can just see a little <laughs> glimmer in their eyes. God. <laughs> but anyway, so it's very silly. But somehow I was expecting like literally just like a surfing romance show. They surfed one time, Laura once once that I can recall and like it just took a turn that I was not anticipating where it just turns into this commentary on classism and how at least in the first and about midway through the second season just the differences in how the legal system treats the rich versus the poor because the whole plot is basically like trying to frame the like poor kid who you know his dad passed away that's not a spoiler you literally know that in the trailer but his dad died like he's completely on his own has no money and he's being framed by somebody who's like literally loaded and just the amount of anxiety and frustration I have watching that show shows that they do a really good job of that (laughs) so I would recommend just because of the fact that it's very silly but the subject matter and the way that the story is going This actually can make you think, which is something that I like to look for in TV shows because I find a lot of stuff now that you don't even have to pay attention. You know, you can just put it on the background and look up 15, 20 minutes later and you kind of know what happened. Where this, it's like you literally, it's like like Outlander. Like you have to pay attention to everything. Otherwise, you're going to be confused. Okay. Well, next time I'm desperate, I'll give it a try. Just go in with an open mind, Laura. That's what I did. Okay. I'll I'll try for you. So yeah, would recommend. Watch it, guys. It's really fun. All right. Put it on the list. Let's look at our maybe not least favorite shows. In my case, this is just like 
junk food television where it's yep. awful, but you need to watch it. Mm-hmm. So for me, that was Emily in Paris last oh, month. Oh, my God. Ugh. It's It really is it's just awful. garbage. It's, it's oh, trash. It's <laughs> trash TV of recent memory. Yet, of course, I watched all of season one in one evening. You know? It really like, – you know, you can't look away from the dumpster fire. No, because it's just like the next most ridiculous thing. And I don't want to give spoilers away because it's – it's on Netflix right now. But uh, just it made me angry. Yeah. Because um, I think I was texting you. I was just like, what the fuck am I watching? This mm-hmm. is like garbage. Mm-hmm. And you're like, but keep watching it. I'm like, oh, I'm going to keep watching it. But uh, it's just trash. See, I um, said for you to keep watching it because I wanted you to see how bad it got. I know. Like, honestly, light a dumpster on fire and that is what that show is. And I know it's like trying to be cheeky about it. But for me, it was the stereotypes of Paris and French people that I did not appreciate. (laughs) No. And I think that I could be wrong, but it feels like it was trying to have an air of like satire to it. Yes, it really was. Like it was trying to be really satirical about it, but I don't know. It just – it didn't hit with me, but I still watched it. Yeah. And the thing is, is that they didn't communicate that properly where it came off as, as a stereotype in itself. Yeah. Like it's kind of campy. But yes. it, like, like it's like the stereotype like, oh, French people are mean. They smoke all the time. And mm-hmm. like Americans, whenever they go somewhere, like they don't speak the language. Like like it poked fun at a lot of different stereotypes. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was just trash. <laughs> I don't really have much much else to say about it. It was just a trash TV show. There wasn't a good enough job done in making it seem like the actors and the story was self-aware. Like it seemed to take itself very seriously. <laughs> yeah, and it just didn't have many like redeeming qualities in that sense where yes, they tried to correct things or like gain a better understanding. It just kind of kept going with the same stereotypes, so Mm-hmm. That's all I kind of have to say about that show. What's uh, your binge-worthy junk food show or most hated show? Mine is not junk food show because it literally got nominated for Emmys, but it's The Queen's Gambit. Ooh, you're Hot stepping tape. out on a limb. <laughs> I know. Okay, the thing is, foundationally, I can understand why it was such a hit. I still watched the whole thing. Oh, the acting is brilliant. The cinematography is brilliant. Oh, yeah. Anya Taylor-Joy, incredible. Like, oh, my gosh. She killed that role. Like, amazing. Yeah. But my problem is not the acting. It's not the story. Like, it's not, like, how it went down. My issue is how the last episode, kind of like Game of Thrones syndrome, just completely, like, blew it up for me. Really? I was I was into it. But maybe I just didn't submerse myself into the inner workings or the underlying tones. But in my impression, she did not learn anything or really develop as a character, which was a big problem for me because it's all about her. One thing I saw, okay, I partly agree with you, but I also like partly don't agree because, okay, I don't want to like spoil anything for listeners who are watching that show or want to watch it. But she does like open up to other people at the end. Like, Mm. Kinda. No, I, I know which one like you're Like she reaches meaning. out for help. Like she, she kind of like will accept someone's help. I think like maybe more my problem because uh, with her friend, she opened up to her and got help and stuff. So that right. I really liked. I really loved that relationship. But I think yes. my issue more came because it's not really a spoiler, but there's sort of like three men, shall we say, that are weaving in and out of her life throughout the whole season, right? Mm-hmm. And from – a woman's perspective, I do understand kind of where she was coming from with a lot of those situations. But she was also like really mean and not a very nice person to them. And I think I just found at the end where it's kind of like they all came together and like forgave her and helped her. I was like, but why? Yeah, it's just like, did she really earn the forgiveness? Yeah, I think that's my problem is that what ruined the last episode for me was it felt kind of like everybody just came together to help her in the last 15 minutes just because they needed to wrap up the show. Right. Like she didn't really earn – 
their help. Like there was nothing that happened where they're like, oh, I forgive you. I forgive you. We talked it out. I'll help you. Like, I think that's my problem is I found her very interesting character, but I don't think that she really faced any consequences. And I also don't think it ever felt like the stakes were very high. Right. Because of that is it's like over time you saw the pattern of like, oh, she's not going to have consequences for this. So when we're in the next anxiety inducing situation, why would I be anxious? Because she's just going to land on her feet. Yeah. So I think that's where my my hot take with it comes from. Mm-hmm. But yes, I do. I do understand why it did very well. And it is in one perspective, a very good show in my brain. But on the other side, it just seemed like faulty storytelling in telling who her character was and turned out to be. Yeah, like it could have could have used a few more episodes to finish out that story arc. Yeah, because it almost felt like there wasn't enough showing her development and her growth that it felt almost like she really started the show and ended the show as the same person. Right. Yeah, I remember when I was watching that show, I kind of struggled to get past the first episode and somewhat the second. And then like once it got going, I was like, okay, like it's got my interest now. So I did mm-hmm. watch the whole thing. One thing I really struggled with was um, Thomas Brody Sangster, who played Benny. He's 31, but I really struggled to accept him in an adult <laughs> role. <laughs> Remember what he That's was like? That's like my biggest complaint about the show. I'm just like, I feel like you're 15. <laughs> I know I you're know. not. But Remember like Love Actually when he was like 15 and he looked like he was like eight? Yeah. 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 No, I actually I actually thought he did a really good job though. Oh, he is excellent in this show. He was like, one of my favorite. Highly characters. recommend everyone listening, like, do go watch the show because it is it is great. But that was just yeah. something like I was just like mentally trying to to deal with in the yeah. show. <laughs> Maybe that's like kind of the foundation of what annoyed me the most was that um I just didn't understand uh I'm not gonna say the name, but do you know like the guy at the end who she like bonds with? Yeah. I didn't really understand that relationship. Oh, that was definitely one-sided. Yeah. Where I was like pro-Benny. Mm-hmm. I would have liked to explore that relationship is probably where my, foundationally my problem was. <laughs> yeah. Because it kind of seemed like she was making some headway with Benny. Yeah. Yeah. And then like she gets shut down kind of. I don't want to yeah. give it away. I'm not going to say anymore. How about we move on to books? <laughs> yeah. But I'm just saying, you know what? Benny was in the right in that moment. Oh, we totally. So. But yeah, um, let me tell you, I got heated after that last episode. (laughs) All right. I definitely, definitely ranted about it for like 30 minutes. Um, Yeah, I took it very seriously. But yeah, (laughs) on to books, our final category. What is, we're going to actually do it in reverse here, but what is your least favorite or, you know, used to love it, but not so much anymore book and or series? Okay, so I'm going to go with a series, and the series is The Selection. Now, Mm. a little disclaimer. Oh, I know you got lots to say about this one. (laughs) Little disclaimer, there are four or five books in the main series, and then there's a bunch of like different point of view books and an epilogue book, and I've only actually read the first two. So I'm just going to put that out as a full disclaimer. I do kind of know where the series is going, though, because it's super predictable. Um, yeah, sorry for the interruption. Is- the main yep. the main series that you're reading right now is the trilogy about America Singer. Yes, and then but then there's there's, there's two other books that yes. are now kind yes. of part of the same series. Yes, I just wanted yeah. to add it in that the part that we're ranting about is the trilogy related to America Singer because she is annoying. Continue. Yes. <laughs> yes. So the series is called <laughs> The Selection, and the author is um, Kiara Cass, and yes. like. No complaints about the writing. Like, it's not super complicated and it's it's a very fast read. Like, literally mm-hmm. for both the two books I've read so far, I think I've read them in less than a day. Like, mm-hmm. the second book I only read yesterday and that was because I couldn't sleep at night. Yeah. So I literally started reading it and I was done before bedtime mm-hmm. when I periodically picked it up throughout the day. So really quick reads and just kind of like a good series if you just want to like read something to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. The only thing is, granted, I've only read the first two books out of the original three. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling that all three of those books could have been one book. Oh, 100%. Do you agree, Do you agree with this? Okay, good. Oh, like literally not even a question. And I think it would have done better as one book. I think it really, so. 
it really foundationally just feels like a fix- fictionalization of The Bachelor. Oh, God. It's it's literally about The Bachelor. So the series yeah. itself, it's like kind of on the dystopian world of like a post-World War Four, mm-hmm. I think, in, in this world. And it, it's based out of North America. Um, the U.S. is no more. It's this country called Ilya. And Which just saying – yeah. This world is actually super interesting. Oh, I want to know so much about this world. I think how like everyone is in, they're called castes, but they're like a class structure, one through eight. So if you're a one, you're like royalty. And then it goes down from there. And they kind of literally have this like bachelor-like show when the mm-hmm. prince comes of age and he needs to pick a wife. So they have all these girls from like all different classes, although granted, they don't pick very many from like five, six, seven, eight. Uh, It's very rare. And the protagonist is from class five. Uh, So she's kind of like the outlier Mm -hmm. of the group of more like twos, threes and fours. Mm -hmm. And so like the system that the author has built itself is so cool. Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's exactly the type of novel I like to read. Mm-hmm. It's just the main character herself. Oh, I hate her. She's horrible. She, have, she does not have a lot of redeeming qualities. And they no. try and go off with like a bit of like that stereotype of just like, you know, she's really beautiful and um, a really great person and really compassionate, but she doesn't know it herself. Mm-hmm. And her temper gets her in trouble kind of thing. And it's just like, oh so tired of that stereotype yeah and she just makes the dumbest decisions like the (laughs) amount of back and forth that goes on in these two books like had they just chopped a little bit out it it literally could have just been one book (laughs) yeah i mean because the the one the main event of this like bachelor like contest of who's going to be the next princess it's drawn out and then I got to end of book two, and we're still on the goddamn competition. <laughs> yep. I was pissed off. And like, you know, I just uh, – I mean, series I'm struggling with. I am going to read it because, you know, they're really fast reads and just – they're enjoyable. Like, I like the other characters in the book a lot. It's just the main character. I just want to punch her. <laughs> yeah. When it comes to poor character development, forget about Beth from The Queen's Gambit. Let's just point at her. She really takes the crown. <sighs> it just feels like you make some progress and then you she's literally like, make mm, like no. It, it's the definition of like one step forward, five steps back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like like this girl, she just she never thinks before she makes a decision and you know, she's got a the prince t- and this isn't a spoiler, like it's kind of obvious exactly where the story Mm -hmm. is going in this series like the prince is saying that he loves her and Mm -hmm. you know as soon as she's ready like he's gonna announce their engagement or whatever and she's so like just wishy-washy and it shouldn't take two to three books to be (laughs) wishy-washy like no and a normal series it would be like five to ten chapters (laughs) And then whenever he does anything that resembles potentially moving on because she's annoying, she gets she, mad. I she gets she loses her goddamn shit and beats him up. Like, oh, did uh, she do that? <laughs> I've it's been a while since I read that. She gets very aggressive with him, and I don't think it's necessary. No, I personally think he deserves better. Oh, he does deserve better. At the end of book two, I was just like, oh, for the love of God, man, will you just pick one of the other girls? I know. Like, let her go. She's annoying. Yeah. <laughs> she is yeah. not and, it. And it's one of those books, like, I I don't know the exact date of when it came out, but it was definitely around the time of, like, the Hunger Games because it does mm-hmm. have a lot of similarities. Hunger Games is by far a better series if you're looking for, like, a great series to read. I would classify it as one of those, like, bandwagon series. Yes. Where they're trying to get in on the dystopian world and, like, the selection and the class differences. And I feel like if the author explored that more and gave it more depth it would be such an amazing series because her concepts Mm -hmm. are so fascinating like yeah i could read a book just on how that world is built and probably be very happy Mm -hmm. it's just her her main character is not connecting with me yeah like i think that I could have envisioned that becoming a series where like, you know, the first book is the competition and then maybe they have one more book or two more books that are about the world and the issues of that world and about 
the main core relationship developing. Yeah, because I think it would have done better. Yeah, because the character herself, like she seems like she could be very influential, you know, correcting this really broken world. But she's just taken too goddamn long to decide whether she likes the guy or not. Mm-hmm. That I feel like the whole series is never going to get to that point. Mm-hmm. Unlike Hunger Games, you know, it's not mm-hmm. about the romance. It's about a girl taking on a world that's wrong. Mm-hmm. So that's that's my hot take on the selection. Still read it, people. Like it's a it was a great summertime read. It's just so much fun. You love yeah. to not you love to be frustrated. Like you can't stop reading it. Yeah. Like you're so mad at the character that you're like, I'm gonna keep reading to find out what happens to you. <laughs> right? Like yeah. it's kind of got me in that sense. And it's mm-hmm. it's truly one of those like junk food book series as well. Mm-hmm. So enough about this selection, Rachel. Give me your series that you love to hate or really hate. Okay, so this one is another young adult series, and hot take, it actually used to be my favorite Oh, when I was a teenager, and it will always, always have a good place in my heart. Don't get me wrong. It's just looking back on the tropes that were presented and in reality, kind of the story that it was telling, I'm like, ooh, that's not good. And <laughs> it's the Mortal Instruments series. Did you ever read those? No, I actually haven't. Okay, I think they must have come out when you were on the tail end of the young adult stuff. It did come out around the same time as Hunger Games, if I remember correctly, but it was very fantasy-based. Okay, and like granted, I was like in my – I was 20, I think, when Hunger Games was – like all the books were out. So it was originally just supposed to be a trilogy, and then it turned into a six-book series. And I remember really taking off around – the fourth book coming out and concept wise like when you're just reading it and you just want to get through the end not put much thought into it you're like wow this is actually like really engaging like it's a really cool concept where it's sort of like an urban fantasy so there's a lot of fantasy elements but it's based in our reality so it's kind of cool Mm -hmm. but where my point of contention comes in as an adult and I have this issue with a lot of young adult romance books that I read when I was a teenager is the trope of the bad boy who is mean to everybody except for you. Oh, yeah. Because that's yes. realistic in real life. Yes. Or, you know, the whole I'm damaged, but just your love can fix me. Oh, yes. So <laughs> I, Laura, let me tell you, I loved the main bad boy character. When of course I was a you did. I did. You were probably and when looking I, for him in your everyday life. <laughs> see, but that's the problem that I want to talk about is it's not necessarily that now I don't like it because I don't like the book because there's part of me that's always going to love it. But I think why I have started to not look as fondly onto it is the fact that that was presented to young teenagers when they are so impressionable that mm-hmm. I really think that it causes damage in your development where you know you're 14 years old you're too scared to like talk to a boy so you know you kind of like read romances and you're like oh cool this is how I'm learning about this stuff you start reading about a guy like that who is hot and cold and loves you one day but mean to you the next and then I find that that just created almost a group or a generation and this isn't even like a hot take like this is a common discussion I think amongst people who grew up in our young adult book era. But it like teaches that toxicity and abusive relationships are okay. Yeah. And I think that's what turned me off of the series is not the story. It's not depth. It's not lack of depth, whatever. It's just the fact that I think it normalized relationship dynamics that I don't think should be presented to teenagers because I don't think that especially when you're like 13, 14 reading that, you can't read that and distinguish, okay, this is a good part of this relationship, but there's also all this really bad stuff. It's presented as, oh, this is like the bad boy, the hot boy, the romance. Everything about this is fine. Where, you know, when you read that, a relationship like that as an adult, I find that there's more dynamicness to it where your brain is at a point where you can be like, okay, there's a good quality here and a bad quality here. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and then when you start getting into those relationships as a teenager and young Mm -hmm. adult, then you might almost like mask those red flags. 
Yes. Right? Because it always worked out in the story. Yes. Or Where very often it doesn't work out in real life. Yes. Or you meet somebody who is toxic or, you know, is putting off the air of they don't really like you that much or they're ignoring you or being mean and you're just like, oh, he's just damaged, but he loves me really. I can fix him. So that's kind of where my heart turned against it a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I really could list out a bunch of other series where this happens, but this is just one that I think a lot of people have heard of. So would understand the dynamic I'm talking about. Yeah. And I think just like you said before, where this idea, it can be applied to so many series that we grew up with. Mm -hmm. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, does that narrative ever change or is that what sells books? That actually is a really good point because I haven't read a lot of young adult lately that it'd be interesting to like pick up a new young adult series and see if they still do that. Yeah, it would be. Or if that trend had stopped because Twilight comes to mind as one of the first ones where it was like, ooh, the brooding bad boy. That's what we want kind of thing. But that spurred a lot of those series coming out after it, you know? Yeah, like same thing with Hunger Games and the Selection. It was just like those bandwagon series that Mm -hmm. was just like, oh, okay, this author found a formula that sells books. So let's replicate that now a million times. Mm Mm-hmm. When you think of that time too, those, especially with the adaptations, they stopped getting released in about 2013, 2014, because the tropes were starting to get old. So yeah, it would be, it would be very interesting to see if in new young adult series, if those tropes still have hold or if they've dwindled and new ones are taking its place. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe we should go pick up a new young adult series. If any of our listeners know of a, a new series that we mm-hmm. should check out, definitely let us know on Instagram. Yes, um, please do. All right. Let's get close to wrapping it up here. Yep. Our good series. Now, mine I know is not a favorite of yours okay. um, because it kind of goes back to any book that you were supposed to read for school. Oh, yeah. For some reason, you always <laughs> hated it. This was actually a book. Okay, I first read it in grade six. So I don't even know if it even classifies as young adult. It's probably like teen literature. Yeah. And that is The Giver. And it's actually a trilogy that not a lot of people know about. So it was written by uh, Lois Lowry. And it really started off my love of the dystopian world. Mm-hmm. Because the the creators were trying to make a perfect world where there was like no choice, there was always happiness, and nothing bad ever happened. There was no pain, there was no death. Mm -hmm. However, there was one person who had to be the keeper of the memories, and that is what this boy Jonas was chosen to do. However, Mm -hmm. the more he learned from the giver who was his teacher the more he realized like how boring this life was, like they had no color, they had no feelings, no expression of love. And of course he learned about what death really was and really learned what a full human experience was. So, okay, I can't really give away too much, but it's really exploring this like utopian society Mm -hmm. of sameness. And then without being really like showy about it, Mm-hmm. And I sorry, I made a mistake. I said trilogy when I first introduced the series. There's actually four books. Um, okay. There's Gathering Blue, Messenger, and Sun. Mm-hmm. And without really knowing it, all these books are connected. Yeah. And they all come together at the end. And they really just explore all these different possibilities of what society could be. So mm-hmm. you have one in the first one where it's very advanced. However, they want everything the same. The next Mm -hmm. one is very primitive and it goes back to, you know, only the strongest survive. And then in the other two books, that's where they start to merge together and you realize it really does come full circle with all the characters. Mm -hmm. So that is just a series I have always loved. I read all the books. I don't even know how many times. Mm -hmm. And again, very simple, fast reads. And looking at the genre, it is a young adult fiction. Oh, and also The Giver was turned into a movie and Taylor Swift is in it. I do remember that. I don't think I ever saw the movie, but I do remember hearing Taylor Swift was in it. Yeah. Um, The movie's not as good as the books. Like, you got to read the books. 
Yeah. I think for me, I need to definitely try to sit down and read it again. Because I think the problem is, is that one, I hated reading books when my teachers told me to do it. But two, I think I was too young. Oh, you would have been so young. Yeah. Like I, definitely... like I was in grade six when I first – the book did come out in 93. Mm-hmm. But I remember being in grade six when I yeah. had to read this. Yeah. Like I – for some reason, I think I remember reading it in like grade four or five. Mm-hmm. And I just don't think I had – again, like we were talking about – about The mental capacity. <laughs> the mental capacity that your brain is at at a certain age. I just don't think I could re- – I really understood what they were trying to say. Yeah, like I've actually – it's one of those series and books that I appreciate the older I am Mm -hmm. because I can fully understand what the author is trying to convey with Mm -hmm. the themes of the books Mm -hmm. where like when I would have first read it when I was like 12, 11, 12, so much of it would have gone over my head. But on your point about like hating books you had to read in school, like there's so many that I have gone back and reread as an adult. And I'm like, wow, this is a really great book. Like The Chrysalids, um, Handmaid's Tale, um, Brave New World, like Mm -hmm. all those books I love as an adult, yet Mm -hmm. as a teenager, I hated them. See, I honestly think I think though it's genuinely because of the fact that one, you just didn't like being told to read things, but I also don't think they were introduced at the right age. Yeah, like they were too lofty in their writing or what they were trying to convey. Yeah, like it was just too advanced for mm-hmm. what we were capable of maybe truly understanding at that age. Well, I also think that since you read The Handmaid's Tale, that's a lot for a teenager. That was in grade 10. That's a lot. I know. I read 15. it again then when I would have been in like first year university, like just mm-hmm. just for fun because I had the book and I didn't really remember much from when I read it in high mm-hmm. school and I didn't really appreciate it. But when I picked it up as an adult, I'm just like, this is a great book. Like it's, I understand this world and like can relate it to our own. And then, you know, um, Margaret Atwood also came out with the Testaments a couple mm-hmm. years ago and I read that and I loved it too. So yeah, I think- schools, they just kind of push some very advanced theories on maybe not so ready minds. I'm just surprised that they had you read The Handmaid's Tale. Concept and the themes aside, just the activities in that book are a lot for children. Yeah. And like, I don't know if you've read this other book, but this is another one that was, it wasn't controversial, but like very much along the same lines of Handmaid's Tale. It was called uh, Into the Forest. It dealt with like themes of rape and we were reading it in like grade 11 or even oh younger. I actually went here. There were a few books that we read, but like I just remember reading them when I was when still you were a child. Yeah, yeah. Like I was still a child. <laughs> yeah. I just, I don't really agree with that, but maybe it's changed like with kids now and you wouldn't read that today. <laughs> yeah. In one your, book in your 10th grade class. <laughs> yeah. One book I have tried reading as an adult and I just can't get into it mm-hmm. is Catcher in the Rye. Yeah. I've had that problem and I it's honestly also The Great Gatsby. I can't do it. Yeah, I yeah, I, I've tried with The Great Gatsby. I just can't really get into it like like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, but with Catcher in the Rye, I think I got a few chapters in and I had so much distaste for the main character. Yes. <laughs> and call him calling everyone phonies. Mm-hmm. That I just couldn't. I'm just like, I, no, like this book just does not have me. So I'm sorry if those are like some of your favorite classics. They just – they are not mine. Didn't slap for you. No, they did not. No. Give me a dystopian world though and I'm like, mm, okay. <laughs> I'll eat this right up. Yeah, love it. If anyone knows so, of any books of that genre, let me know. That aren't just the same formula of people trying to repeat The Hunger Games. Yes, please. Yes, yes. I hope that they've gotten a bit better now. But mine is actually just a solo book that I read, I think, two years ago now. And I'm kind of tying this one in where it's one of my favorites for exploring complex adult relationships. So in no way, shape, or form do I agree with what occurs in this book. But I don't know if you've read it, but it's called Conversations with Friends. No, I don't think I have. Okay, so there's like a younger girl, probably like third year, fourth year of university, Her and her best friend get kind of intertwined with an older married couple who are like early 30s. And essentially, they're not a polyamorous couple, but they will have some affairs on each other. So basically, this young 22-year-old gets kind of intertwined with 
this couple and sort of becomes like a third person in the relationship. And she like really latches onto that as part of her identity. So (laughs) that concept, I personally like would not love that. But I just find it a very interesting take. Like I think the author did a really great job at exploring each of the mindsets of those people. Mm -hmm. And especially like exploring the fact where like when you're in her position, especially I think if I remember correctly, like she was pretty lonely. So when she was getting this man's attention, she was like, oh, my God, I'm so special, especially comparing herself to his wife, who is like this tall, like elegant, like beautiful woman. Right. You know, it's kind of that trope of getting it into her head of like, oh, well, he's going to leave her for me. Right. And how she like really latched on to that as something that kept her going where it really showed the reality of that situation and how it just comes crashing down when you realize that like he's not going to no it's like it's like age old like he's never gonna leave his wife (laughs) yeah so i think um why i wanted to select this one because i did really enjoy the book was just to tie it back into why i didn't like the young adult interpretation of what i would see as like toxic relationships is the fact that there was no question here that this was a bad relationship or a complicated relationship. Like it was very clear that like you should feel uncomfortable with what is going on. But I think that it was a great way of showing regardless of how bad you could view a situation to be, you can explore the good and the bad in those people. And it's not that, you know, she was the heroine, he was the villain and the wife was the victim. She explored the good and the bad of all three of those characters, and I just thought it was really well executed. So for just like a nice, complex, deep dive into adult relationships and how the mentality behind those situations go, I would 100% recommend that one. It's by Sally Rooney. Oh, yeah. No, that definitely sounds interesting because it's so refreshing to see an author just be upfront and honest. Mm-hmm. about that now is that more of like an, a book obviously geared towards adults oh yeah like you wouldn't want to read that as like a teenager like okay. it's kind of like I would say that I was ready for it and ready to understand what was going on from like an emotional standpoint when I was about 22 23 okay because it's very easy to not like the characters So you have to kind of go into it from a position of understanding what the motivations were that brought them there. It's kind of like a mental game you have to go through when you're reading it. Right. And to use a a Disney reference. Yes. um, So just inside out, you know, the emotions were very simple. Mm -hmm. And then like as you get older, it's more complex. Yes. And you can explore more complex themes. Yes. And have that rational understanding mm-hmm. and have that objective point of view, but also like a subjective point of view. Yeah. So I just think that exploring more difficult relationships is something that I definitely think we should do. But there is an art to it that I think you can really only get in adult fiction because they're very complicated concepts. Like even like you just don't you just can't get there. When yeah. you're a teenager. So even with like a young adult series, you know, they can't present these really complicated relationships and themes. Mm-hmm. But going back to our conversation of like, you know, have things changed, it would be great to see authors explore being more upfront mm-hmm. without having to get so far into like messy yeah. relationships, um, mm-hmm. like keep them simple, but still present the idea that like, okay, this is fundamentally wrong. Yes, I would like two things. One of them being, let's not make the main love interest a toxic bad boy who doesn't like anyone but you because that is not realistic. And two, if you are going to present a relationship like that, present it in a way where it really smacks you in the face that this is not something you should want. Yeah, like it shouldn't be desirable. Yes, that's a good word for it. Thank you. So yeah, that's the end of my tangent on that. (laughs) Awesome. Well, listeners, I hope you found something that you either want to binge watch or avoid. I think we're going to throw it up on our Instagram, probably in the stories. We'll do like a little poll of all of our choices and see if you guys like them or hate them. 
mm-hmm. and agree with us. Also, like definitely share your favorite binges and your least favorites. And honestly, like if you have any of the things that we brought up for like movies, TV shows, or books that you either yep. loved or hated and you don't agree with us, like let us know about that too because we love having those kinds of conversations. Mm-hmm. Anything else from you, Rachel? Yes. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and give us a subscribe on whichever platform you listen to your podcasts because it really helps our show out and we would love to welcome new listeners. So thank you in advance if you choose to do so. Yes. And our Instagram handle is T with Laura and Rachel. Definitely follow us over on Instagram and we can connect. And with that, live like tea. Live like tea.